2: T-H-E-C-O-R-N-E-R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode
1: of The Corner Podcast. I'm Kel Dansby, as always. Andreas Hale is here. He is not grumpy just yet, but it is coming. He watched WWE TLC after all of us. And you don't want to know what he was saying in our group chat. He has lost his mind about the direction That everything is going in now. But, you know, you guys should be used to that. We'll get to that a little bit later. But first, shout out to the sponsors. Thank you guys for listening. You'll notice that the podcast is coming to you a little earlier this week. And it will be like this from here on out. We will record on Tuesdays. It will be out Tuesday evenings, Tuesday nights for the people on the East Coast. So if you guys are enjoying SmackDown, you can throw this on. Wednesday morning, you guys can have this on your commute and throughout the week and you know it gives us a quick turnaround when we have fights and stuff on the weekends we don't have to do a media podcast that night we can just be like okay it's coming you guys are getting the fire on monday or tuesday so i hope you guys like the earlier show dre what up with you it's it's nice seeing you earlier in the week you ain't shaved or nothing yet it's a whole different world
2: yeah it is a whole different world i'm tired um (laughs) (laughs) you've had a crazy weekend before we even start, man, I mean, how are you okay? Because the Yankees got dumped two straight games Listen, after man, having a 3-2 lead.
1: We weren't supposed to be here. I, I'm, I'm right with this. We weren't even supposed to be here yet. We, yeah. we got that experience. One thing you can't teach is experience. So the young guys are there. Um, we got to find, you know, another good mix of veterans. The veterans we brought in this year really helped and really produced later on. Uh, Todd Frazier, guys like that. You can't hope for that two years in a row. We're not going to get that CC again, and you can't hang your hat on that. So um, we CC's going to walk probably. We ain't paying CC.
2: So, CC old as hell.
1: Yeah. So at that point, we got to find that new mix of good veterans to come in and do what the veterans did this year. But the youngins are coming, so we're we're going to have another influx of youth to join the already young team with veteran experience. It's fun. And I'm just counting down the time, yo. Uh Tell Bryce Hop, holla at me whenever he's ready. We both out here in Vegas. It's the off season. Tell Bryce, you know, I got the Yankee fitted for him. He can throw that on already. Don't worry about it.
2: See, nobody likes when you guys buy players. When you guys build through your farm system, that's... I don't that's, care what they like. We did build uh, through our farm system. Okay, then keep it that way.
1: Not all
2: through the farm system.
1: Listen, well, we did the same thing with Jeter and Pettit and Mariano. Like, listen, we we developed our own talent. Now let us buy people to go along with that,
2: and it's coming. It's happening again. Boo Yankees! But you know, <laughs> I'm I ready know, for uh, another run. MLB is kind of tight because I know they were looking forward to a Yankees Dodgers World Series, and now they got Yankees. I mean, the Astros and the Dodgers, which tickets plummeted for the first home game <laughs> in LA. Um, you can get inside the building for under a thousand dollars now, but before that it was way over a thousand if the Yankees were going to be playing them. So. Eh, it is what yeah. it is. Still picking the Dodgers. Yeah. Um, I don't see anybody beating them this year.
1: I just wrote an article for uh, the news channel here, ABC, and in 2014, Sports Illustrated picked the Astros to win the 2017 World Series. It was on the cover of huh. their baseball well, preview. So it yeah, tells he- you four a mofo, and that's when they were coming off of the back-to-back number one picks, and they were
2: still horrible. You could see them coming. That was the thing. You could see the Astros coming with with their picks, with uh, Correa and Altuve and George Springer. They were coming.
1: Yeah. Can't predict the Verlander trade, though. That no. was clutch. Yeah, um, they need- Yeah, you know, baseball talk aside, because you got like five baseball fantasy teams, and uh, we could talk about that all day. You actually had something real happen to you this weekend outside of the realm of sports, your niece asked you a very poignant question. And we talked about this in a group chat. You talked about this on social media. In case the people who listen to the show did not see it, we're going to talk about it now. Let us know her question and kind of how it made you feel. We'll go from there.
2: Well, it wasn't even a question. She was at school and uh, her friend, who was a white girl, said, uh, ask her. She's seven, by the way and asked well told her that she couldn't be beautiful because she's black um and my niece was hurt she didn't know what to think um and she and this is a friend telling her this this little white girl and my, you know my niece a little black girl and she told her that she couldn't be beautiful and uh she came and told me that she was extraordinary she was extremely confused by what happened and uh you know in our house um with our family, we try to instill pride amongst our kids. And we always, you know, me and my wife always ask ourselves the same question as to whether when do you bring race into the equation? Um, it's a slippery slope because you don't want to take your child's innocence away too soon. You know, you, you don't want to do that to, you know, seven year old too soon. But somebody else is going to do it for you at, at some point. It happened to me when I was seven or eight years old. You know, it's happened to a lot of people where race is introducing the equation in not the friendliest way. And when it happens um you're struck and it makes you insecure and when she came home she you know she told us what happened which we were all like what um what did you do And she was like well i told her she's not my friend anymore and then she was like but is it true and that struck me because it's like man somebody you know you don't blame the little girl but you blame her parents and why would her parents tell her something like that yeah Uh,
1: or where did she hear that
2: if it's yeah, not like, her
1: parents, like, are they not paying attention? Are they not alert? They're not aware. It, it, it's so
2: weird because now, you know, kids can pick shit up from everywhere. Yeah. So, you know, we had a conversation and totally told her, you know, that she's beautiful and, you know, being black is beautiful. But it's hard, man. It's hard to hear that kind of stuff. It's 2017 and we still have um, racism being instilled at a young age. We, still, we have white superiority instilled in little white kids at a very young age. Um, and white privilege and they don't understand why this thing when we say these things you know people get at me every day on social media saying that all i do is talk about race and which i don't but there's a lot of shit i do talk about that has to be racially motivated and that's just who i am but it's we act like it doesn't exist and you know we've talked about in the show a million times that trump has really empowered these people who didn't have voices before and wouldn't say things out loud to say things out loud so when you hear stuff like that it's um it's disheartening because you don't know you know how to really approach it like you know because my niece was you know now she says stuff like um you know she'll offhand remark she's like i hate white people and i'm like don't say that and <laughs> yeah, her, you yeah, know don't and take it her, to the extreme but she doesn't really understand so it's like you know she knows like shake you know she's she knows some of my friends who are white and she's like no they're fine and they're my friends but it's hard because now she's seeing color and, and now she's seeing it in a in a negative way And she's trying to comprehend and compute what it is to be black and beautiful and why somebody would tell her that. Um, It's a level of ignorance, man. It's just just things, this country ain't getting no better when it comes to race relations. We still have a lot of issues that we got to overcome. And it starts at a very, very young age. And these are the problems when I talk about um, to white people, it's like, you don't ever have to experience anything like this. Like, this is something that we have to experience. Um, I got called the N-word at a very young age, and I didn't understand what it meant um, I've had friends that had the same. It's just you know, call you nappy headed or say offhanded <laughs> remarks about you know who you are, and uh, it's not it, nothing's getting any better.
1: Nah, it, it's crazy because obviously anyone listens to the show. No, I have two daughters, so my daughters are now twelve and ten. I have a sixth grader, and she's coming into her own you know, in that aspect and she's kind of, you know, developing her style and her swag and all this stuff. And she's kind of getting like the same little bounce her mom had. Um, And to see how she kind of handles herself, I'm glad, you know, thankfully she hasn't run into that type of situation. She's kind of an asshole in a good way where she's arrogant a little bit, and, you know, she has that bounce, but I see it from a different dynamic, and she gets what her mom used to get when I first met her mom. We were young, like 14, in which people say, oh, you're so pretty for a black girl. That's the statement we hear all the time. And her mom got it all the time, and her mom really like didn't like that growing up. But now my daughters get that because their hair is done or they go out and they dress up and all this. And there's, oh, you're so pretty for a black girl. It's no different than you speak so well. It's like, how am I supposed to speak? Like this is this is the thing, and they get that same thing going forward. And I try to make sure they know, like, yo, don't develop a complex off of that either. Like, no, you're you're pretty for any girl. Like, regardless, right. like it's not for a black girl, or your hair looks so good for a black, girl. or, um, you know, the the thing with like, yo, letting people touch their hair. I have like a thing about that. Like, yo, don't touch their hair. Like, if she got a natural or she got, like, you know, with the braids in it or anything like that, like, don't be playing in her hair. Like, don't treat her like uh, an alien or a zoo animal on display. Like, everyone, I, I have a complex about that. So it's weird now having daughters and you having nieces and nephews and you have to be perceptive about that as they're going through school and they spend so much time away from you. That now you're retroactively attacking these things. And it's crazy. So that dynamic bugs me out all the time. And me being far away from my kids, or decent enough away from my kids, where I got to ask them, like, yo, what's up? What happened at school today? What did this? And you can't really, um, can't do anything about it. You can't. No. Until it's over. And then you're you're scrambling to answer a question to someone to a point where you're just like, I can't make it make sense. Because it doesn't. There's no way that, you know, racism or even to a lesser degree stereotypes and all this stuff. There's no reason for that to make sense. To me. And you hear all this stuff in progress, and we're going this way, and this way, and this way. But when it's still around, and your kids have to see that, it is crazy to have to explain that to
2: them. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, it's 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 hard. It's a you know, my nephew was 11 and. uh he asked questions and you know I, I make it a point like we watched do the right thing in, while we were in uh California <laughs> and he, he watched it you know he doesn't necessarily get it but I could see his young mind working um cuz he was like why did they choke radio raheem at the end like what did he do why were they so mad why did the cops kill him and then he was like oh the same reason why the cops killed that kid Trayvon Martin and I'm like yeah because he was black you know it's 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 frustrating man because there's so many people, like, especially with social media is because they made so many voices. You know, people would call me a liar saying I made the story up to be race baiting um, about my (laughs) niece. And I'm like, why would I make some shit like that up? I don't understand. Like, your
1: timeline is just filled with some of the craziest people.
2: And it's crazy because, you know, I don't, you know, like Sean King has like hundreds of thousands of followers and he gets death threats and stuff like that. And I get it on a smaller scale. I get weird. I'm just like, yo, you know, especially with like, the MMA community, like, they come at me hard. Like, why do you talk about politics so much? Shut the fuck up. Uh, we don't want to hear that shit. You know, keep your black ass, you know, go play basketball. Like, like I've had crazy things said to me. <laughs> We're going to talk about media. the
1: MMA community and what they uh, accept and don't yeah. accept here in a second.
2: We'll talk about that. But it's just, it's, it's the way and you get to see it more in social media because everybody can hide behind a keyboard. And like, I don't say too many crazy things, but I told I was like, yo. You would never say that to my face, because I would drag your ass. Like, I love the, yeah, the I think I'm, you offered
1: the dude the fade the other day on. Yeah, Twitter. I had to, I
2: had to, that's that's my family, man. It's like you come get these hands real quick. Yeah, I don't cross the line with people's family, especially on social media, because social media is a weird place. You don't really know anybody. You know, no matter how many followers you have, how many people you follow, you don't really know anybody. So you know, I got a really small group of friends, and. I'll never talk about somebody's personal life like that. There's some people I just don't like like Jason Whitlock, but that was way before social media <laughs> was even created. Um, but when it, when somebody's, you know, saying I'm lying on my niece or trying to create stir up some controversy, it's like I'm not even that important to begin with. You know what I'm saying? But, so why would I do something like that? So that that's something that somebody would catch hands over. And he was like, I expected that from you. I said, you can expect these hands. If you ever want to see me, <laughs> expect it. You're like, say, go ahead and say, like, oh, I expect it because you're black. Well, I'm gonna beat the, the shit out you. Like, just don't don't ever fuck with my family. And long story short, it's just looking at that and dealing with my niece. It's like, and my nephew, it's like, I, I have to have the talk with him. Like, I'm having the talk with them now. About having my nephew is five foot. For 150 pounds he's 11
1: yeah So now he's a big dude
2: I have to have the conversation about you know what happens if a cop you know asks you a question or like I have to have these conversations now because now he's scary black kid he's the nicest kid he loves to hug yeah. he loves to smile like he loves to dance
1: he'll try to come and creep up on you in a wrestling move every now and then but
2: yeah but you know, you know but he's scary like people are going to think he's not the kind kid that he is and that shit breaks my heart but that's that's just the world that we live in
1: Yeah, it's crazy. And with mind boggling about that, like the dynamic when you told me about your niece and I went I was thinking about it later and I was like, yo, it's so weird cause your family dynamic especially is you guys go on trips. You go not even across the country, out of the country, all this stuff. And you take your nieces and nephews, you take them to places that these other kids have never seen. As far as being cultured and well-rounded, and experienced, they are higher than 90, 95% of the kids in their age bracket or their level. For that little girl to say that to her, it's like, what is it beautiful? Like, what? I, I didn't even read it. Like, yo, like, that girl is probably in such a small box. Like, she got YouTube, her parents, and never leave her living room. And she's telling a girl who's seen the world, who's had brunch. Who's eating? I've seen where y'all like it. It's everywhere. All this experience, crazy dope stuff. Something to break her down yeah. when the other girl hasn't experienced anything.
2: Nah, and then it, 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 that's like always been my goals. Like the, the house that I came from. You know, my grandmother's an Italian white woman is the one who raised me, and. Uh, Tell me a lot about race, you know, being raised by an old white woman is going to teach you a lot about race at a very young age. But I didn't get to do a lot of stuff. You know, she had a gambling problem. I'm not going to get too deep into it. But, you know, like we lived in a place called Crack Alley growing up and uh, I didn't have opportunities. So when I got around other people, uh, when I got around my wife and her family, her brothers and cousins, like it was my goal to have them experience the rest of the world and uh, do things like, you know, took them to the Smithsonian, the African-American Museum in D.C. this summer. Um, I took my brother in law when he was sixteen to the National Hip Hop Political Convention in Chicago. We went through Chicago. I was like, you think you live in the hood in Vegas? This is the hood. We drove <laughs> through Chicago where things are boarded up. I like I'm only going to show you what the world really looks like. So it's always been my goal is to, to see the beauty and the ugly of this world. So you know, so when I hear things like that, when somebody says that it's like, okay, like you know, like some of these people, they don't know who they're fucking with. And it's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like they just see exactly. the outer.
1: They're all that yeah. little seven-year-old girl. They just yeah. be like, yo, you don't know anything. You're just raised." You be like, yo, when someone tells you, you go to Chicago and you protest and you go, it's yeah. like, yo, you act like I've never been these places.
2: Right. I've been there. I've done that. Yeah. I've, I've been part of that movement. Like, people don't know, but people think they know off of social media because like, you write about a fight or I write about some hip hop. And it's like, that's who I am. But it's the way it is, man. It's the way it is. And it sucks.
1: <laughs> it's crazy. So... Yeah, figure we touch on that just because it happened. It was on social media. It was such a big thing, and it, it's just crazy to see. You know, like man, everyone's going through it nowadays. This shit yeah. is spreading like a wildfire, and it shows no end. Um, talking about that, man, ESPN just dropped a barstool sports show, Joey. That was quick. One episode. <laughs> one quick. episode, and it comes down to the point too. Now it's like one. I don't agree with some of the shit they do. I never paid attention to their show, to be honest. Right. And then um, Ryan McKinnell, friend of the podcast, uh, started tweeting about it and just some of the random shit they do. And I was like, OK, yeah, these dudes are wild. But they were hired to be wild. Yeah. That was the point of it. ESPN also just inked uh Desis and Mero to do NBA right. highlights and all this shit. And they're going to be talking, you know, spicy. Just talking, you know, they're going to be crazy with it. They're going to say they're wild shit, so ESPN is going to get these people, and they want to be polarizing, and they want that. And then it was a quick sign of angst, and these guys did exactly what you hired them to do, and they're out of there. It's like, it's such a weird balance now. It's it's to the point where I don't know where you can be a journalist and or, you know, entertainer, commenter, whatever you want to be, and fit in the world we live in now. People tell you to stick to sports. What the hell do you mean? Like, you can't write about... Like, you were doing this before you were in MMA, before you were in boxing, before you were everything. You had a voice in all avenues. And now you can't talk about anything. Or if you get a big enough paycheck, they're telling you you can't tweet about something. NFL is hiring people. You can't take a knee. Like, where... The the lines between politics and, and your voice and just being you are being blurred so crazy. Like every day I see another example. Another one and another one, another. The Jamel Hill suspension. Like it clearly it, says on her Twitter. That's her shit. Is it her opinions? And she gets suspended. Like come on. It's
2: it's it's the tough thing about it is um being a corporation, like when they hire somebody, they have an image that they want to portray. Um I've been in this situation before where um I'll tell a quick story. I worked at B E T and uh (laughs) i had a yeah, so i uh sent a tweet about mariah carey and nick cannon when they were married and it went viral and i can't remember like to this day i don't remember what i said but it really pissed their fans off to the point where they were calling the BET offices to get me fired and i'm not talking about one or two people this was like a 24-hour cycle of people calling (laughs) to get me fired so stephen hill um had somebody had to talk to me, just like be careful of what you say uh, because it reflects the company. Because even though Twitter is, it may be your own, people still know who you work for. So it, it becomes a very fine line because somebody like Jesus and Mero, they're hired to be Jesus and Mero. They're not hired to be the corporate shill. So when you hire them and they do something that goes against the corporation and then they get fired, is it justified? It's a really slippery slope, because it's like, well, why did you hire him in the first place? Because
1: technically, ESPN hired Jamel and put Jamel and Michael in that position to be black. And let's just be right. real.
2: But they, they they put him in the position to be black, but not too black. And that's always... That's, <laughs> but that's the thing. <laughs> what they kind of line black, is this? They want their black face. They want their black coolness. They want their black voice when it comes to... like When Stuart Scott used to say, boo, yeah. But when it comes to things that affect you as a black person, they want you to shut the fuck up. Because that's not part of their corporate image because there's other people that work there that are not black. Do I understand it? From a business perspective, I can kind of understand it. But you have... It's, it's hard, man, because, it's like, when you neuter people for what they do... Like, Jason Whitlock does not get neutered. Like, Jason Whitlock comes out there and just says wild shit on Fox Sports with him and uh, Colin Coward. Well, because it's cool um, the coon. But that's the thing. It's like, the things that offend people... Are or or it's a very fine line because if you come out there if you're Jason Whitlock you just trash black people for a living you get hired at Fox News not Fox Sports so you get hired at Fox News get a fat check and <laughs> live your life but if if Jason Whitlock was on Fox Sports talking about black power I guarantee you wouldn't get that same check and you wouldn't have that same spot that he has Shannon Sharp Start- ain't getting that same spot no nah, and we love Shannon Shannon's doing guys work but uh over there you know on undisputed but. There's a line that gets crossed when you when when you're off the air and you're on social media. They don't want you to say certain things, and it sucks. And Barstool is like the guy, Barstool. They knew what was coming with Barstool. Yeah, oh, I don't yeah. know. If had, I don't know if they had a conversation to say, well, we can't talk about A, B, C, D, and E because there's things in their contract. Like I had a huge contract when I went to BT of what I could and couldn't do. But
1: it, I really should have read my stuff here at ABC full disclosure yeah. like i gotta be careful yeah <laughs> like i threw it and elena read through it my fiance and like she tells me now down there but i ain't read through none of that manual i am nice. a horrible corporate
2: guy yeah i mean it's the reason why like when i left BET and the fucking firestorm that i left in i got cease and <laughs> desist letters left and right it's it's just there's things that come with working with the corporation they're going to cover their ass their business is their bottom line and you're just a cog in the wheel so Barstool was like, you're going to either make us some money or we're going to let you go. If you don't do what we, if we get too many calls about you, we'll let you go. And that's just it's it sucks. Like you can't really be you, but you can never really be you in, a, in this country. Like if I worked before social media and I came to work with a black power shirt on, I probably would have had a talking to if I worked at CBS or something like that. I was Like, hey, what are you doing? That some people find that offensive. It's just it's, it's a shitty way that this country is. Wrong. I wore your shirt here
1: to the station. And it felt like I had a bubble around me.
2: <laughs> I was
1: like, "Oh, I was like, okay." Well, I mean, like everybody caught it, but it's just like a. And I wear, you know, comic shirts and wrestling shirts and all that shit all the time. But it was like a look, a look down, a quick glance, and a look back up. Like, oh, he went there, and it was just like a walk right by me. Like, don't say anything about it. One person said something about it, and they're like, "Who is y'all?" It's like my yeah. man, if you if you feel like it's you, it's you. I don't know what to tell you. Like if it's not you, then cool beans, then we're on the same side, my brother. But outside of that, yeah, if you if you're in the y'all, listen, I know plenty of white people who aren't in the y'all. We yep. hang out with them all the time. So if you take offense, you got something inside you. You know, yeah, against this shirt. So that's Rocket. Show support here at the station. Nobody said anything to me about it either. They don't say much to me here. Shout out to them. <laughs> But listen, man, it's all in the Disney family. So I got to step, tread lightly before I catch that Jamel yeah. Hill. My damn self. Um, man, all right, to switch over to combat sports, we're going to take a step into the realm of combat sports, but stay right on the si- same lane. Conor McGregor. He don't even got to be in the octagon to make news. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was at the UFC card in Europe. Lord knows where this was. Where was this card? Sorry. It's like a hole. Poland, yes. Um, the Cerrone card. And he's walking backstage. And his boy just lost. He's taking a walk. Uh, Andre Feely, I think, got the win. And he calls Andre Feely. It's as simple as day. Clear as clears hell, a faggot. And everyone's like, oh, and there's a record scratch. And then Twitter goes crazy. And it was conversational. It was normal. He didn't bat an eye. He rolled on with the statement, and Conor strikes again.
2: <sighs> this is this is always tough, man. Um, he shouldn't have said it. He should be aware of who he is, where he is at all times, being in the UFC. But we have this ultra, like I always, we have a hypersensitive society where. Yes, kind of shouldn't have said it, but because he said it doesn't make him hate all gay people. So we got to cut that narrative out. But they'll say the, the
1: same thing, like with an N word, like if if that was Kevin Lee who beat his ass and he's walking, he's just like, ah, he's a nigger. Well, yeah, that like, I, I mean, it's 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 a slippery slope. <laughs> like, so it it is different because well, it's not different anymore because they're both conversational. Like when we were growing up, like, yo, that's gay. Or yo, blah, blah, blah. And I grew up around a ton of Jamaicans. So it was Batiman and Batiboy and blah, blah, blah. And it was that constantly. And that was nothing. But now to these young kids, the N word is nothing. You go to a high school now, you see, it's always kind of been Spanish kids, but Spanish, white, Asian, black, Samoan. If you just go through, they all listen to hip-hop. They all think it's cool. They all just let that shit fly. Because I coach at a high school. Yeah. I, I've seen this shit firsthand. And then it's like, a, oh, shit, I remember adults are here. My bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. But around each other, it's no different than us saying, no, that's gay when we were growing up.
2: Yeah, but let's see there's a difference here. Like The difference is the whole... Questioning a man's sexuality is far different than hating somebody because of their race. So it's so, so like you use the N word and put the R at the end. That's there's there's really really one direction. There's nothing conversational about it. It's like you just said what it was. But you know when we used to grow up and say those things because we all said them. You know that's why I like a lot of comedy and a lot of music doesn't age well, because the things that were said in like Eddie Murphy Raw or the things that were said by Eminem in two thousand wouldn't fly today so yes it, it, the, the, the issue is is like connor um he has to be aware of who he is and he has to be aware of where he is and he has to think about why these words aren't cool anymore so you have to you know again it, it's supposed to be your private your private time you and autumn are taking a walk and you're talking to your friend but that shit is over <laughs> like, like there's, there's no, no more private time. time no you are in the public eye and more importantly you need to be sensitive to what how other people feel if you care if you don't care, say what you want, and then deal with the repercussions. But, you know, for somebody like myself, it's like these things that we grew up saying, yeah, we got to cut them out of vocabulary. Like, I don't say the N-word anymore because we gave it so much power to a point where the, everybody can use it, and now it's desensitized. Like, I don't want to say it anymore. Like, when I say it, I say it because I'm really mad about something. Yeah. You know? but, <laughs> but, but, but otherwise, it's like I don't use it in casual conversation anymore because... I don't like the fact because who am I to tell all these people not to use it if I use it in casual conversation, especially how loose is become because there's so many people that just drop it. And I'm like, and I tell people in my presence, I'm like, "Yo, don't use it around me. Like, if you want to do that in your time and deal with what somebody else does, fine. But around me, like I, that, that language is used in my house. You got to cut it out. So it's like for Connor, yeah, he's got to apologize because he has to, he does have to apologize he has to apologize because he offended somebody. Yeah. And you have to be very careful of who you offend in this world. And because, you know, we live in a trans society and we live in a society of things that weren't around 10, 15 years ago publicly and accepted, you have to be keenly aware of what you say and when you say it and why you're saying it. And you have to change that that, that behavior. So, Connor, I know. I mean, I don't know him, but I don't think he's a racist. Even in the Mayweather tour, you made it say some things that were insensitive, and that's what I always say. Like you said some really racially insensitive things. I don't think you're racist because you said it, but people get all up in arms. Like yo, Conor's a racist. I'm like, you're going too far. Yeah, you're going too far. And when you do that, then it's just everybody's too sensitive and you can't say shit anymore.
1: No, yeah, Conor's in a bubble, but it's not like a ra- he's not racist necessarily. He's just in Conor world, and yeah. Conor still lives life like the guy he was five years ago, just with a bunch of money.
2: Yeah.
1: And you can't do that. Like, you just can't. As you go up and play, you got to, sadly, not, you got to Jay-Z it. Like, you you know, you got to take off the throwback, throw in the suit and tie. You got to do something. Like, you got to move up in the world. You have to learn how to be politically correct and rub elbows and yada, yada, yada. And you just can't, you can't do it. Connor hasn't made that adjustment yet. I'm not sure in fighting if you, I would say you have to, to get to the levels he wants to reach, but Floyd really didn't do it. Floyd, at the end of the day, he wasn't as controversial. I mean, the Dela Hoya Mexican shit was crazy, but outside of that, he did whatever he wanted though. Yeah. And if fighting, fighting works. is the, yeah, I was about to say, fighting the only place maybe where you get away with it. Maybe. But Connor yeah. still lives off of so many sponsorships, Hollywood, all this stuff. That he's so different than Mayweather. He's trying to be better, and he, he could be because he's a little bit more acceptable. He won't to, be to, to people uh, in terms of earning potential.
2: He still won't be. It's, it's his tough. his window is
1: very small. Yeah, like he has the potential. Floyd had the longevity. He
2: that's, has that's
1: the it. he has the potential of. You just look at him, you know he. He's not white, but he's close enough. That people can put him in away. movies. Yeah, he's two losses away from that shit ending. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's like, in a way harder space right now. Yeah. Floyd never had the competition.
2: Or the competition wasn't close enough to Floyd to really yeah, do anything. There's a lot of distance. Like, even yeah. when you look at Ronda Rousey and how dominant she was, and people were like, Ronda's gonna fight Floyd. It's a, big, it's a different... Like, yeah. Floyd has ran through several generations of fighters.
1: Yeah, like, Connor's competition is... It's dangerously close. I take Conor over damn near anyone, one fifty five, one forty five range. But there's still a couple people where I'm a little shaky. Like, I don't think he beats Khabib. I
2: like. I don't know. Like, I
1: don't, like I, it's a toss up. I've never. Had, it's so hard to even see Floyd in a toss up.
2: Yeah, I mean, competitive like Floyd. His his the mastery of his art was so much different. And twenty years on top of something is something that was unprecedented. Like Kobe Bryant didn't last twenty years on top. Yeah. It's one thing to just win, but he was like he was on top. Like Floyd was undefeated for so long. Ronda came and went. Like look, Floyd beat Shane Mosley, and Shane Mosley's son turned pro, and Floyd was still active. Like that's <laughs> yo,
1: that's had crazy. mad fights. Yeah. <laughs>
2: That's that's crazy. So that level of dominance and earning potential is is yeah. Of course, it's there in the short. It, the the window's just really small for Connor. Like he's literally a loss or two away from all this going up in smoke. Like I mean, look at Ronda. Rhonda's not she ain't making no twenty forty million dollar checks anymore. That that ship has sailed.
1: Yeah, that's it's a open. wrap. Life came at Ronda fast.
2: Super yeah, but she fast. she did good while she was here. She's a pioneer, and a lot, a lot of people try to discredit what Ronda brought to the game, and I think that's very unfair. Uh, but the game caught up to her, just like Hoist Gracie, Matt Hughes. It's like once the the field gets better and they catch you, hey, there's nothing I mean, you the, can do. There's it, nothing you can do. She didn't evolve, and that shit happens.
1: Um, going through the MMA side of things on the card, kind of touched on everything. It kind of went how I thought it would. Blačević won. I saw that coming. Uh, Darren Till beating Cerrone, I did
2: not see. I don't think anybody saw the washing that, that came in that fight. And uh, you know what? And I said it last week because I didn't give Till a shot in hell. But uh, the one thing I said is Sean Shelby matched them up for a reason. He had to see something that somebody else didn't see. And like, clearly he saw it. Because Darren, uh, Darren Till murdered him. Is Cerrone the gatekeeper now? It's a good question. It's, um, it's, I'll, uh, it's one, one fight, game. right? Like, well, he's lost three in a row. And the, the fight with Robbie Lawler was competitive. Oh, geez. Uh, but he's lost three in a row, and I think this is the first time Ms. Green's lost three in a row uh, without looking up anything. But, yeah, Masvidal, Lawler, Till. Yeah, he got stopped twice in two out of those three fights. Yeah, no, nah, he lost two uh, out of three before to
1: RDA and Pettis, but he had a noons fight in between that he won.
2: Right, and, then he, and usually he bounces back and wins like five, six in a row. But I think the difference here is Darren Till uh, on the MMA hour with Ariel Hawani, Darren Till said he came into the octagon weighing 198 pounds. He's fucking huge. Yeah, and you've well, got a run. cut so is not going anywhere. <laughs> Cerrone was a lightweight, like he, he jumped up to welterweight, so he wasn't that big heading into this fight. So on the one hand, Darren Till's skill, ability, aggression, everything that he did, plus the weight, probably was just did Cerrone in. On the other hand, um, maybe Cerrone, it's time. Maybe he's been in too many wars. Maybe his heart's not in it anymore. Maybe he's made enough money. I don't know, but. I think Cerrone is now relegated to gatekeeper if he stays in the well-so-weight division.
1: Yeah, I don't even think he can drop down at this point, though. Right? Like he's, he's fought so much there. I don't even think one hundred and fifty-five is an option anymore. No, I like, and that's he's where you gotta stay seven. competitive. Yeah, like the power and like you said, the difference in weight is just is crazy when you go that high. I'm looking at Kevin Lee. It's the same thing. Like you want to go up to one hundred and seventy? You guys aren't okay. built like RDA. Hmm. Like, you're not squatty
2: bodies. Yeah, these these are these are tall, big guys. I mean, I always use Rory McDonald's example. When you see that man in person when he's not training, it's like, why was he yeah. light heavyweight? It's like, no, he's, he was like a welterweight at yeah. one point.
1: It's and like, you, what? And you see Woodley, you'd be like, oh, Woodley's the small dude. Yeah. Like, Woodley had cute. to widen out to, to compete in the division. Like, no, oh, it's crazy. It's a whole different world up yeah. there. And it, it would be interesting to see uh, – where Cerrone goes next, Till, on the other hand, has a ton of options. So,
2: well, I mean, the obvious one is if, if Mike Perry Mike gets Perry. Live, yeah, if he gets past Ponce, Ponce Bibbio, uh in a few weeks, that's the fight to make. Darren Till versus Mike Perry. Oh yeah, the narrative's already built in. Till talks a ton of shit. Perry talks a ton of shit. That's the fight that needs to happen. I have no idea where Cerrone goes from here. Um, oh. Welterweight division is pretty damn stacked. Yeah, so it's like you, you know, you be can't be the fight gatekeeper
1: somebody. for the next one. There, there's believe, no easy fights one through ten anymore
2: no that's what i'm saying Kamara usman like that, that that he probably beats him like there's a lot of people in that welterweight division that might it's a good question who has the most stacked division right now because it's welterweight has gotten very interesting over the past 12 months
1: yeah i mean it's been very good for a long time to be honest and uh i mean there's a reason gsp rather test middleweight yeah true um talking about gsp and two seventeen is coming up here in a second. Are you excited yet?
2: No. You're not feeling the buzz. No, nothing. I mean the the, the fight isn't even like if you've seen ticket sales aren't even moving like that.
1: They, I haven't like, seen anything about it. That's why. I'm I, not a, like, I thought it was this week and I'm glad it's next week.
2: No, it's next week, but I'm not excited. I'm I am i want like I said, I want to see the fight. I don't want to see trash talking between <laughs> these two because it feels fake and manufactured. Um uh, I'm really more interested in your NJ Check and Rose and uh, I really want to see that fight, but the UFC just has a, a poor way of promoting fights. Right.
1: Uh, it I think just, she dominates Rose,
2: though. I just I still want to see it. Like I I like Rose a lot. I, I want to see it um, just because of how Rose has evolved. Yes, I don't think anybody beats Joanna, but I, I'm more I'm very interested in that fight. GSP and Bisping, I'm interested, but this is again it's a Bisping who who beat Luke Rockhold, but fought a Dan Henderson who's not ranked in the top ten. It mm. hasn't really done much. Versus a GSP who's been on a four-year layoff, like you can't convince me this fight is going to be exciting.
1: Uh, no, nah, I mean GSP's fights beforehand weren't exciting. Exactly. We'll see if he learned a few couple, you know, a couple new tricks, and if he just thinks Bisping isn't that dangerous.
2: And obviously, the fight I do want to see is Dillashaw and Garbrandt, but nobody's Best talking about that fight at it. night. That's nobody talking event. about it. This is what the UFC does terribly wrong. Garbrandt should be getting pushed to the moon right now. Show the choke. Just show show the choke. I'm just saying, forget Bisping because he's on his way out. GSP is on his way out as well. The future is in Cody Garbrandt or TJ Dillashaw or Rose Namajunas or the J named This is the future of MMA, not GSP and Bisping. Yes, it's your main event. They build them too
1: late or they wait for them to build themselves and then it's too late. And then then that person is one or two fights away from the loss that topples them.
2: It just doesn't make any sense. Like if you're gonna push the car, like Cody Garbrandt should be on the cover like Muscle and Fitness or some shit, or like some tattoo magazine. Like Joanna should be literally should be on Conan or I mean I'm sure they're trying to get her on late night shows, but put her on Deezus Mero. Let me get Deezus Mero and Joanna and Jay Check. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to expand. <laughs> Where Tim's. And the UFC does a horrible job to keep them in the in a box of um. Uh, Mainstream media that they reach out to these mainstream outlets, but you got to dig into like, dude, have him on swing in the morning. Yeah. You know, like reach into our communities and make us care because we don't. No. As a whole, like, and like we're whole pop culture.
1: Care. Yeah. Like, if you start getting the Lil Wayne's of the world, the whoever the hell is hot now, the young whippersnappers, the Migos, a Cardi B at a UFC fight, all that shit, and you start, you know, pulling a little bit of that Floyd crowd. And that excitement, that Floyd money into it, then it, it could go somewhere. But still, I don't think that's the crowd they want. It's not what the no. sport's built upon. It's, it's clear, very clear. much like baseball.
2: Yeah. They, they, they're they not really reaching into the urban and minority demographics. Yeah, they may have a fight in Mexico, but they're not really doing Mexican things. No. Like, Kings Alaska should be huge. Like, he should be doing appearances on Univision and everywhere else. Like, Tony Ferguson! I mean, come on, man. Like, what are you guys doing? But you you want to stick to this audience, which is why MMA is the way that it is. The which bro is why, culture,
1: man. They're bros. Yeah, which is
2: why, why they're on my timeline talking shit about me and why I talk about race so much, which is why they, they boo Tyron Woodley before he even does anything in a fight. When he walks out, they just boo him. You create a culture that accepts this type of behavior, but all you have to do is push some of your other stars like Tony Ferguson. Put him on a talk show. Get him on TV. Have him do a guest spot somewhere. Why are you not doing this? So 27 – like Max Holloway. Max Holloway is amazing. Yeah. Like that guy should be getting pushed. Why are you not pushing him? So 217, no, man. Like I'm going to watch it. I'm excited for it in terms of it's, it's going to be a good night of fights. But if for mainstream appeal, it has done.
1: No, I, I agree. It's – and it was built as a mainstream appeal type of card. GSP's Basically. comeback and all this stuff fell short.
2: Nah, nobody really cares about GSP outside of MMA. No,
1: Connor's the only mainstream guy. And yeah. GSP has movies. Like movie credits. Like real yeah. ass
2: movies. No Connor did it himself. You know, Connor Connor did it his way. GSP was kind of a cog in the system. Yeah. So um, you know.
1: Alright. On to professional wrestling, which we teased earlier. I thought I'd be I'd be nice to you though, and we start off with ROH. <laughs> <laughs> like just just so we don't We don't have to, you know, take you there because I woke up today, you watched the pay-per-view, WWE pay-per-view last night, and I woke up to just a bunch of craziness on my phone in group chat. I was like, oh, he's going to be on one today. All the way. (laughs) So let's start ROH. You had some decent stuff to say about the card. Um, And it was a full tour, right?
2: Well, they did Global Wars, they did four nights. I only watched the Chicago night, which they said was the biggest night. Um it yeah, was headlined by uh Yoshihashi versus Kenny Omega, which eh, whatever. But <laughs> the the match itself was like it was never gonna be a threat to Kenny Omega losing. But it was a fun match. Um Will Osprey versus Flip Gordon was really good. It was good. Uh, Flip Gordon's
1: bullet- been doing good, talking some yeah. shit too. I like Flip Gordon.
2: I like him too. Uh the Bullet Club uh tag the Bullet Club match, um Damn, who the hell they wrestle? Uh, Search, and Chaos. Search and Destroy. No, Search and Destroy. Um, oh, not yet. Yeah, it awesome. was the, the four-man tag. That was actually a really fun match. Um, Search and Destroy realized that they were going to be heels and booed in this building and started playing up the heel <laughs> Um It's weird because I'm going to talk about this uh, on the WWE pay-per-view in a minute. ROH, what sucks about ROH is their, their, their storylines are pretty trash. Yeah. They're not doing a good job with, with angles, but the wrestling is solid. It's not spectacular. ROH I think has had a downturn over the past year and a half. Um, it's not what it, it's not like. It's not must see TV or must see pay per views anymore. It's like if I watch it, I'll watch it. But they have they still have good wrestling. Um, hopefully, with this whole Dalton Castle push. It seems like him and Cody are going to fight at a final battle for the title, and Dalton Castle maybe will finally get his hands around that uh, that ROH World Title.
1: Oh, it'd be so great. To see It'd be great. As the top guy.
2: Yeah, but aside from that, it's just their storylines are like, eh, like the Bubba Ray thing. Like, I guess he kind of retired in the ring. Yeah, yeah. You know?
1: Colt Cabana was still there.
2: Well, Colt and Yanu like, people just, because Colt's from Chicago, so I, I get why they put that match on the card with Yanu as a comedy comedy spot fest. But, uh. What the hell is Jay our, Lethal doing? Jay is losing. Um, he lost to Silas Young at the, uh, the last pay per view, and then he lost to Suzuki Gun. Uh, which was actually a, a pretty decent match. Um, but Mark Briscoe's out for a while, so you know I think they need to bring the Briscoe brothers back. Jay has clearly gone to the heel side, back to the dark side Jay Briscoe, so it, it makes sense to bring Mark back and turn him into the old tag team that they were, just beating the shit out of people. Mm-hmm. ROH right, is just lacking direction right now. The matches are still fun, but there's no consequence to anything. It's like you can lose a match for the TV title and find yourself in a world title match the next mi- night, and there's nowhere I'm a reason to it. They're
1: just kind of happy to... Ha- Pull on the coattails of New Japan right now. Like, yo, we share talent. You're going to watch it because New Japan is so dope. And it made yeah. them get a little lazy, the talent share.
2: Yeah. It's, like I said, the writing just hasn't been great. The wrestling has been solid. It hasn't been great as it usually is. But this show, was it was a fun show. She and Kenny Omega in ROH ring. That was always fun. Marty Scurll. uh his match- a <laughs> All the time. Takahashi? Yeah, Takahashi, which yeah. was it, I expected it to be better, um, but it was still a solid match. It was funny.
1: Um, I was like, it, you know, Scourge one of best heels,
2: man. Yeah, to, like, and we'll, we'll talk about TLC. Like the Takahashi skrull match, um, let me down, but was still good. Very much akin to Finn Balor and, and AJ Styles at TLC. It let, let you let me, down. Yeah, it let me down. But I, I I didn't expect it to be had, like, the match of the year. Six hours of prep talk. No, I, no, but that's what I'm saying. Like. You expect more out of it because of Styles and Balor. With the proper build, you probably would get that. Oh, yeah. um, but on short notice, it was still a good match. Like, like, Skrull and Takahashi was still a good match. I expected more, but it was still a good match. i still recommend it to people.
1: Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. No wrong with that. Let's talk about WWE TLC. In the 2 sweet moment, um, that has to be a Vince McMahon FU to everyone on the Indies.
2: I mean, Styles said it wasn't. Styles said he wasn't directed to do so. Um, no, but the fact like, that
1: they can do so—I
2: mean, dude, it's the banner. It's the banner of the WWE page. I don't know if they changed it since last night. The banner of the WWE Twitter page is them doing the too sweet. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Son, like, yo, if if that is the biggest like, fuck you, young bucks, like fuck everybody. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but uh, but you know, it's funny because before this. Uh, when we gave predictions, it was for a card that just didn't happen. No. Like minutes I died and, sure. and yeah. <laughs> it and it the entire card, uh, which led to a lot of matches that really had no storyline. They just happened. Yeah. Like AJ Styles and Finn Balor. Just which I like happen. that,
1: though. I like the random matches every now and then. I wish if they were going to do Survivor Series like they are, and we'll talk about that in a second, that they wouldn't spend four weeks building it at all. Just build your normal shit, <laughs> Throw right. these matches together and let's roll into your normal programs again. Cause yeah. now they're just wasting four weeks and you have to hit the reset button on everything going into the rumble.
2: Yeah, there's there, we'll talk about that in a second. So yeah, but, let's, let's right. actually let's talk about TLC. TLC, I,
1: I, Sasha Banks, Alicia Fox. Um eleven minutes, you know what? This match wasn't bad. Alicia Fox know. is actually a little bit better at wrestling.
2: I mean, she's she's a decent wrestler. Yeah. Like she's got She not has some good bad.
1: suplexes. I thought she was horrible. It was a, no. It she's was a she's cool.
2: not the worst. She's serviceable. Yeah, um, yeah.
1: I thought she was like fucking the chick with the red hair that left. Even Marie.
2: No, no. She's better than her. And now she's the captain of Team Raw. Oh, she's getting um,
1: eliminated first. You know that. No, she's not. Yeah, Foxy's out she, of there she first.
2: She won't get eliminated first, but she'll get eliminated. But and, she's and the her, captain. I think
1: her merch is dope.
2: But I she's. Think, I think it's. I think it's smart that she's the captain of the team Raw. Like, throw us a curveball. I'm fi- like, I'm fine with it. Sasha and <laughs> Bailey. Like, Bailey is the one I'm not fine with because she takes the pinfall like every goddamn week now. Like, yeah, she's a rap. She she is a and she's a victim. Even of though being they pushed.
1: they would have been fine if she took the pinfall every week from the get go and never well, touched that's, the title. Because uh, now that's, they're that's, building her how they should have done, where she's just the consummate loser. And then you get behind her, but that
2: was too late. But see, that's that's the problem with Bailey's push. It was too too much too soon. Yeah. And and you know, winning the title on and she won it out here in Vegas on a raw, like that shouldn't have happened. It should have been a WrestleMania moment. Like these when you push somebody too quickly, it becomes problematic. Which leads me to Asuka. Um Oscar made her debut. Look, I love Oscar's entrance. I think it's amazing. It looks even better in a bigger arena. Oh yeah. But there... And I'm not mad at the match itself. In a vacuum, her match was, with Emma was good. Emma was, however, good.
1: Emma's yeah. best match.
2: However, the my problem with this is there's not too many steps till you get to the title now. Because Emma was just in of what was that a fatal five way? Yes. Yeah. who was going to fight for the title? Alicia Fox or Dana Brooke should have been the one who got served by Oscar first. Like you can, like Oscar needs a slow. Like I, I but think they obviously seeing,
1: they wanted it to be a good match, not a squash match, because she got a squash other two,
2: yeah, yeah, but I mean, but it, it, I put it like this like i'm not I'm not mad at the match, but we know that Oscar came in undefeated. They've been talking about her a lot. She can't have a lot of fifty fifty matches on her way up. She's gonna have to beat the shit out of somebody to make her look like a world beater. And I, I don't think Alexa Bliss is going to have that title by the time Oscar gets up to the the title contention. Nia Jax will probably have the title at that point. But uh, or maybe it'll be Sasha, which would actually be an interesting WrestleMania. I
1: want to see that. I want to see that match, Sasha versus Oscar, because I don't Oscar really hasn't had the competitor to push her yet.
2: Well, see, I mean, she'll she'll annihilate. Who she should annihilate. Like I don't know how how you go about this. I don't know when she loses. If she loses, it'd probably be at WrestleMania. Um, so I'm If she loses, ma- Charlotte
1: beats her. By the way.
2: No, why would Charlotte beat her? Charlotte's on SmackDown.
1: I'm just saying, eventually, there's always a superstar shakeup. I don't see her losing anytime soon.
2: She might lose at WrestleMania. She might. That's rough. It's it's Vince. It's, like it's it's not logical. It's Vince. Yeah. But um. Oh, Paige yeah, might I- be coming back soon
1: though. If I get a Paige Oscar feud, that would be bad.
2: God, Paige is. I think she's always overrated. She's solid, but she's not that. Compared to the rest of the women on the roster, she's not that good. Um, but yeah, like again, I'm I'm fine with this match. I just 50 50 stuff. I'm a little curious about because Oscar was not 50 50 in a lot of those girls on NXT. She was just running through them. So Emma should have been somebody else that that she should have wrestled like in December, and maybe she crushes Dana Brooke on her first night. Like you have to set the the tone for that. oscar's is like the unbeatable this unbeatable individual. That's how I feel. But it wasn't it wasn't bad. It's not like a huge complaint
1: yeah no i mean it it could be worse um of course.
2: cedric alexander and rich swan
1: versus jack gallagher and brian kendrick i thought alexander looked great in this match i enjoyed the match i thought it was good um so kind of a taste of what you get on 205 live and but no one watches it but this is this is like they have good feuds they actually have a good storyline going multiple um even the ento storyline is not bad
2: it's all Enzo, though. That's my problem with 205 Live. I mean, 205 Live. It's not Live. like
1: if you watch 205 Live, they give these guys a lot of time. On Raw, it's all Enzo.
2: Yeah, but that. But who's really watching 205 Live? Let's I watch Like, it. on occasion. You watch it, but I'm just saying, like, would you miss it if it was gone? No. Exactly. So, like, this match, Cedric Alexander, is, I think is an amazing performer. Rich One is an amazing performer. This was a good match. It was one of those matches that I watched it. Not knowing, because I don't watch 205 Live. I only catch up every now and then. I don't even know why these guys were beefing. But I watched the match just as a match. And I was like, this is a pretty good match. I don't even care what the story is. (laughs) WWE is so built on story that it shouldn't always permeate into a good match. Like, you don't have to have a good story to have a good match. This was just a good match. It didn't even need a story.
1: Yeah, I feel you. I agree on that point. Like, you know, it, it was good enough. It was serviceable. I thought Cedric left looking really good. Um, you have heel Enzo. I don't know how long he feuds with Kalisto. It seems like a long feud. Yeah. Like, but I I would prefer if, you know, Cedric got that next push.
2: Yeah. I mean, we don't know. Maybe Cedric. I don't know. WrestleMania. I I have no idea what they're doing with Cedric because he has great matches every week. Um, every week that I watch him on Raw. Yeah. Uh, and occasionally when I see him on 205 Live, he's always been a good wrestler. Him losing weight before he came to WWE helped out a lot. He's got a great look. Um, he's a decent talker. He's not terrible at it. But uh, oh yeah, we have to have the conversation about Ricochet since we didn't have it last week. Um, but I don't know if they're ever going to push him like they should. So, we'll see.
1: Um, listen, yeah, we do. We we got to find some time for that Ricochet conversation and he just won PWG championship.
2: Yeah, well. That's why I said it. I don't think he's coming to WWE all that soon. Because uh, I think he's still got some some top top running in the Indies again. Um, it'll happen sooner. It'll happen sooner than later. But uh, he's establishing himself, and, and PWG is a workhorse promotion where guys don't aren't necessarily known for the talking, but for the wrestling. And he anyway, proved
1: that he can wrestle the
2: big boys.
1: It gets no well, bigger yeah. than
2: that. Um. So, yeah, but uh, yeah, this this old Cedric Alexander, like who knows when he gets pushed. Enzo's the the gonna be the king of that division for a while uh for the foreseeable future until people start watching it. We're gonna be stuck with Enzo and in, in terrible, not even good matches. These matches aren't horrible, they're just not good.
1: Yeah, I mean, he always wins with the lead maneuver, so i don't I don't mind it. I like that Enzo, um, Finn versus AJ. I thought it was a really good match. Um, Finn Balor worked probably his most technical match on the main roster. He did some shit that was out of his skill set and move set. Finally, um, the demon character kind of let him work heel against AJ, which helped a lot. Because yeah. we got the cool stomps, we got the the surfboard stretch, we got like you know some some stretches and all this. Stuff. It was New Japan esque. But not too crazy because the crowd would get lost but you know you you had those slower moments where you you can see facial expressions and, and see transitions and yeah the, the demon kind of had the the heelish tendency that i like to see
2: well two things one they gave this match 18 minutes the second longest match on the card um with no story the wwe needs to take notice of one thing how hot the crowd was for this match with crazy. literally no story this crowd was on fire and they didn't have to really build towards it. They just, people, you have to recognize that people want to see good wrestling. And AJ Styles and Finn Balor are going to give you good wrestling. This was a good match. It, you could tell, like I said, it didn't, it wasn't as great as it could have been. But you, obviously, they're going to hold this back for another time. Maybe they meet at WrestleMania. Maybe they meet at some other pay-per-view with something bigger on the line. Before a match, that was put together on six hours notice. Or six, what was it? 24 hours, 48 hours? Yeah, okay. but he spent 18 mm-hmm. on a plane. Yeah, so when <laughs> Macho was put together that quick, um, you know, people were upset that AJ lost, but I'm not. You know, I, it, this is what, he came to do the job. He I was going to say come it's not his film. brand, yeah. No, and it, I'm totally fine with it. It was a good match. It's just the wrestling, like Vince and company need to recognize that people like to see good wrestling. Like, it's not always character driven. If this was, I mean, they gave it 18 minutes, so they obviously thought something of it. So. This was, this was like the weirdest, like this TLC, I know that it went through a lot of changes, but it was so, it was such a weird card. You had really good wrestling, and then he has really bad wrestling, and then you had matches that were inconsequential, like Jason Jordan versus Elias. Why did this take up so much time on my show?
1: Yo, three different spots, but,
2: I mean, I like Elias the character, right? He
1: It's instant heat. Yeah, it's just
2: weird. It, like I, I get it, maybe they, maybe other matches first. I don't know. No, I can't say that because Bray Wyatt and Finn Balor probably got the same amount, amount of time. So I just don't know why we got three segments with Elias in it, and then Jason Jordan throwing <laughs> vegetables at him.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was low key funny though.
2: Um, it feels like Jason Jordan's becoming a failed experiment, and they're about to give up on it. Well, they should. They should. <laughs> they like, should. I mean, they should. They they haven't done this right at all.
1: Angle's in like a whole different storyline. Like what's left?
2: Well, His story yeah. was
1: supposed to be, "This is my son,"
2: and they just left that. He left that alone. He's like, "I'm gonna go wrestle now."
1: Yeah, he's like, "What? I get a shot to wrestle? Let's go!" <laughs> like, he, yeah, it's like weird. Kinda, Papa deserted have, you again, boy.
2: Have they talked on television in the past few weeks? I can't recall seeing Jason Jordan and Kurt Angle having any conversation.
1: No, um, someone like disrespected Kurt Angle and Jason Jordan it was like, "I'm gonna avenge my father."
2: Um, but that's about it.
1: I think that's how this feud started, actually, with Elias. Elias, like, cut Angle off in the speech, and Jason Jordan was like, I'm going to avenge my dad.
2: Yeah. Jason but, Jordan. Yeah. He doesn't have it. No. He doesn't, he doesn't if they
1: it. replace his music with Austin Powers' daddy wasn't there, I'd be so appreciative, though.
2: <laughs> they need to do something. Um, Alexa Bliss and Mickey James, it was better than I had any business being. Um, Alexa... I like her as the champ. Like, this is character wrestling here. Like, she's a great heel. She's not the greatest wrestler. Mickey did a great job in this match. Um, And, you know, I feel like this future is continuing. Clearly, they're going that direction on Raw. I just... We'll talk about this whole Survivor Series thing in a minute because it's really confusing the directions they're trying to go with this. Um, But, yeah, Alexa retained her title as expected.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I liked the fight. It was cool. Mickey still got it. She's not an old woman. No. And like you said, two years older than Asuka. Yeah. And it it was cool to see her in there and, you know, get her moves off. And Alexa Bliss is Alexa Bliss. The facial expressions and everything else, she just has it. But I want to see heal Sasha too. So they're in a, a weird stage where she's now so good that she's blocking Sasha from being the athlete she should be or the character she should be.
2: Feels like Alexa's in the same spot that Kevin Owens was when he was universal champion. Giving her a run to see how well she does. She's doing pretty good. Um, Main event time. This match was 35 goddamn minutes long. This
1: was (laughs) way...
2: This TLC match was way too long.
1: Um, Well, Braun
2: Strowman got put in a trash can. Did you like the match? Uh, No, I
1: thought it was way too long. I liked the ending. I absolutely hate, hate, hate Super Kane. Where yeah. did this come from? Like, do you need an opponent for Braun Strowman so bad that you have to let Kane dog everyone out yes. with, with the old man potbelly off of yes. mayoral campaigning? Like, we don't know what the hell's happening just to give Strowman an ounce of someone to fight his side. Yes. It's
3: ridiculous. Yeah, I
1: mean, Next thing you know, right. the big show is going to come and wreck everyone.
2: It's ridiculous. So, first of all, um, they did what I thought they were going to do they were going to hide Kurt Angle. Because, I mean, he can't go 35 minutes. They had to get rid of him. Um, And Braun protected him very well in that table spot where he didn't take a real bump. The only bump that he really took was a clothesline. Uh, Other than that, you know, he took some punches and whatever. But uh, the match itself, I didn't like this match. And it was because, yes, it was 35 minutes too long. um, But it also had, like, the usual tropes of a TLC match where they had... Somebody gets eliminated, pushed in the bag, and then Kurt Angle came out (laughs) with his music. That's like a constant thing. Um, They had, like, like, it was a TLC match with nothing to climb for. Like, why have a ladder match? There's nothing to climb the ladder for. There's nothing up there, guys. Usually a a ladder match, there's a title hanging or a briefcase or something. There was nothing. No, Uh, and I
1: was wondering that, too. There should have been a stipulation.
2: Yeah, then you had, like, the whole braun Kane thing. I thought the Kane thing was lame. I think it comes off lame. I feel like it's being pushed down the throats to give Braun Strowman a credible opponent, because maybe <laughs> jo- Joe's not ready yet, because it may be... And I don't even think it should be Joe. I don't know what direction you go. After you have Braun Strowman lose to Brock Lesnar, you want to keep him hot, but you don't want to um, ruin other talent along the way. So that's why Kane is brought in, to enhance Braun Strowman. But does that mean Kane needed to be in this match? No. Um... I mean, yeah, this this shit was just dumb and long, uh, ultimately, and uh, completely inconsequential. And sometimes that's cool that you have a match that doesn't really need any story. But this match, on the other hand, now that we put everything on pause for the next four weeks, what does this mean for The Shield?
1: Um, Well, we know The Shield is going off into their tag team land anyway. So it really, it's about what does it mean to Roman Reigns? What does Roman Reigns do? At Survivor Series. He's man I mean, out man, right? He's going to be just in the random, raw, five-man tag?
2: If he's well. I mean, four weeks should be long enough, I guess. Yeah, but, I, don't, uh,
1: I don't know where it leaves people like him. So um, the other people have the program. Maybe they just hold the meningitis crew out until after and reintroduce them into new feuds.
2: Like, you can't bring Bray Wyatt back because he, he was deeply entrenched with a feud within Balor. And yeah. now that you're doing this whole Survivor Series thing, it would be odd to bring Sister Abigail now because yeah. you're not going to do anything in Survivor Series but have Raw versus SmackDown. Um,
1: you have to have him, like, cost Finn as Sister Abigail, and that's how Finn gets eliminated or something. But then you got to drag on that feud longer? It's a six-month yeah, like, feud? You, Fuck. You're, do you you're just stuck. Make people I don't know. Do you make people forget about it? I don't know. I guess. So, so. Like, the invasion angle is shitty. It's handled shitty. I just want to see them wrestle. Don't give them stories.
2: All right, so let's let's talk about this. Raw Raw happens, and Shane is a complete dickhead and rolls up on Kurt Angle and brings his crew and they com- they destroy the B team in the locker room before finally getting their hands on Ambrose and Rollins. Um, Brock is nowhere to be found. Obviously, he's out outie. Uh So I
1: uh, this is. <laughs>
2: This is dumb, man. It's like, why, why are we doing this if we're going, like, if if there's nothing at stake. The only thing I want to see is Kurt Angle and Shane McMahon in this match, and a recreation of their old match when Kurt tried to suplex Shane through the glass and it took him two tries and Shane fell on his head. That's all I want to see is Kurt versus Shane. I don't care about the Raw versus SmackDown. I don't care about Miz versus Corbin. I don't care about Natty and Alexa Bliss. None of this shit matters because they just go back to what they were doing right after.
1: That's it. There's no titles on the line, so it's just meaningless matches. Like, and a champion has to lose and then go back and dominate their division.
2: That's that's weird. Like, I mean, we all know gender can't beat Brock. Word. Like, and if and if you have him beat Brock, that completely devalues Brock. So Brock's got to kill gender, but it doesn't mean anything.
1: Yeah, Brock has to kill him because if it's even close, it makes Strowman look like
2: a sissy. It, it's just all of this is, like, this is all done because there's nothing at stake. Just give me Kurt versus Shane. That's all I want to see. Give me Kurt versus Shane. I need their rematch of their, their uh, King of the Ring. That's what it was. King of the Ring 2000, I think. Give me that. And Shane is big as hell, by the way. Him standing next to Kurt looking Yeah, crazy.
1: yeah, he is. He's, like, uh, on his husky Shane right now. Yeah. He's not even, like, muscle. And Kurt, Kurt looked crazy. I wonder if Kurt couldn't fit in the spandex. And they were just uh, like, yo, Kurt, we're just going to give you the shield gear. Because, <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's late notice. He didn't get his gym on. He yeah. didn't get right for it. It's like, yo, we're, we're just going to let you rock pants.
2: And, oh, and let me be clear. I don't want to see Kurt versus Shane one-on-one at Survivor Series because I think that'd be bad, like Bret Hart versus Vince McMahon. But give me Kurt versus Shane in that elimination tag match. I'd like to see that if you're going to do anything. because then you have Yeah, they to have GM to be captains.
1: From... Yeah, captains I, and having a draft... Would be perfect because that way you can get heels and faces on the team, and makes sense. Other than that, I or don't like care. you know, old school style where you randomly just go around the roster picking people.
2: Whatever you got to do, but like the whole this whole Raw vs SmackDown thing is dumb, and uh, it's just another part like like WWE killing themselves by trying to create a story for everything. They don't like you said. They could just like have things the way that they are, and then Survivor Series comes like oh we're having these matches, and then just go back to normal rather mm-hmm. than. Now I got four weeks of wondering who's invading whose show. I don't give a shit. Yeah. We already did bragging rights. I don't want to see that shit again.
1: Nah, it's so unnecessary. You ruin your own show. Exactly. And you got to hit the reset button on all this shit, which is it was stupid. But Vince will be Vince. So fuck yeah. it. We know what we're going to see. Um, man, this is a good Tuesday show. Can't wait to see what comes of it. NXT is coming up uh, this week. That should be good. The storylines, they're really dope. And, yeah, we got to keep it pushing, man. Till next time. And we got to talk about the Ricochet stuff next time. Um, Thank you guys for tuning in. Back-to-back shows this week due to the error in SoundCloud last week. So you get to hear us twice. Make sure you guys check us out every Tuesday or earlier from now on. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at The Corner LSN on all platforms. At Kel Dansby. At Andres Hill. He wasn't grumpy today. Look at this. I can't believe it. We got to catch him early in the week all the damn time. Yeah, good luck. (laughs) And there it is. The grumpiness came back a little bit. Until next time, people, we're out.
3: Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance.